So, yeah. Uh, we're going to be in the old section of God's Word today, so uh, at least to start. So if you have your Bible, see if you can't find that bullfrog of a prophet, Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 32 is where you want to go. And uh, while you're locating Jeremiah 32, let me tell you a little bit about what's going on before we start reading. Uh, Ruth will put it up here on uh, the wall for you in just a minute. Uh, The prophet Jeremiah is going all around uh, the nation of Israel and saying, uh, you've turned your back on Jehovah, you're worshiping idols, Uh, you've got hard hearts, you refuse to listen, therefore God's judgment is about to fall on you. And uh, he even tells them clearly, uh, the Babylonians are the ones who are going to be God's instrument, his tool to bring judgment on the nation of Israel. So again, he's going around, anybody who'll listen, he's saying they're coming and uh, they're going to annihilate us and it's going to be really bad. Okay, now I want to read to you starting in verse 8. Then, just as the Lord had said, my cousin Hanamel came to me in the courtyard of the guard and said, buy my field at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin, since it's your right to redeem it and possess it and buy it for yourself. Because you're a family member and you get first dibs on buying family property. So go ahead, buy it. Uh, I knew that this was the word of the Lord. So I bought the field at Anathoth from my cousin Hanamel and weighed out for him 17 shekels of silver. I signed and sealed the deed and had it witnessed and weighed out the silver on the scales. I took the deed of purchase, the sealed copy, containing the terms and the conditions, as well as the unsealed copy. I gave this deed to Baruch, son of Neriah, the son of Meshiah, in the presence of my cousin Hanamel, and of all the witnesses who signed the deed, and of all the Jews sitting in the courtyard of the guard. Aren't you glad I didn't make you read that one? Yeah, there's a lot of fun names there. Uh, Here's what's going on. His cousin believed what Jeremiah was predicting. He believed him. Babylonians are coming. Uh, They are going to come and invade our land, and it's going to be bad. They're going to wipe us out. A good number of us are going to get dragged off into captivity to Babylon. So his cousin believed him. So think about this. So he says, hey, cuz, you want to buy the land now? Because he knew that judgment was coming and the land would be worthless. So why not sell something if it's going to be worthless in just a little bit, right? Um, So uh, he's probably pretty sure Jeremiah's going to say, no, thanks, I'm not that foolish. But guess what? Jeremiah gets the cash, gets the silver, buys the land, and redeems the property. Why? Let's keep it in the family. Let's keep it in the family. And sure enough, the Babylonians come, uh, just a short time later, annihilate the land of Israel, wipe it out. Uh, A good number of them dragged off into captivity there in Babylon. And indeed, at least while the Babylonians there, the land is worthless. However, 70 years later, uh, many of them come back from captivity. 
by this time, Jeremiah is dead, but he comes back, and the land that he purchased would go to his children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren. In other words, the land is going to stay in the family. Okay? Jeremiah never personally lived to redeem and enjoy the land that he purchased from his cousin, but his family was able to make proper claim to it. Why? Because they had the title deed. He was the one who was the rightful heir, and he made the purchase, and he had it written down and sealed in the proper way, and therefore his children could redeem and take title to that land. Make sense? Okay, now turn with me to the new section. We're going to go to Revelation chapter 5. And uh, we've got another title deed. Uh, and this would have been like a massive scroll. Um, but this was title deed not to uh, a plot of land in Israel. Give me your eyes. This is title deed to planet Earth. This is, this is the title deed. Whoever controls this, this deed, uh, this sealed instrument, is, is the rightful owner of planet Earth. The stakes are so much higher. And uh, that's what we're going to read about today. Revelation chapter 5. Would you stand with me? We're going to read verses 1 to 8 to start. Uh, we'll move on down and look at the whole chapter in a little bit. Let's uh, read out loud, declare God's word out loud to one another. Read with me. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Let's pray. Lord, uh, th this, this is an awesome scene. And we reserve that word for things like this. Th this is awesome. So thanks for recording what's going to happen one day perhaps soon, for us to know about. And Lord, uh, I, I believe that what we're going to read and study about here together today has implications and applications for each and every one of us. So uh, 
Help us to get what's going on here and help us to understand what this means for us today and then what we have in store for us as a result. Lord, we uh, pause right now. We recognize that uh, this world we live in right now is dominated by sin and Satan and death and pain and trouble. And Lord, the truth is, some of us right here today are in the middle of some of that. So help us. Uh, whatever's going on, Lord, I pray that you would minister to those folks going through tough times right now. Some right today are in the middle of a storm, and I pray that they'll know that you're right there in the boat with them. Lord, help they, might they help them to know that uh, they have a family here, brothers and sisters in Christ, and may we reach out and let them know we're there for them as well. Lord, I pray that today, Revelation 5 might be an encouragement to them. Lord, bring lots of hope as we uh, study what's going on here today. Lord, we ask that your spirit and your word might be welcomed. We uh, soften our hearts and we choose to listen. We're ready to hear from you. And all the church at Walloon said with a loud voice. Amen. Maybe seated. You're going to see, it's going to get loud uh, in Revelation 5. So um, if you don't really like loud music or loud stuff, um, well, you'll see what's going to happen. It's going to, it's going to be interesting, okay? It really is. Uh, sitting on the throne, verse 1, we just read it, is God the Father, and he holds in his hand an awesome document. An, I mean, it is the title deed to planet Earth. It's the official paperwork that gives authority to the owner. You take charge. You are the worthy owner. You've purchased it. You are the heir. You're the one who now has authority over planet Earth. Okay? Um, I could show you, unfortunately, I don't have the equipment yet, but we're going to get it soon, okay? I keep talking about it. But there's a wonderful picture of a sealed document with seven seals. Uh, and, and they were fairly common, especially among royalty at this time. Um, verse 2, a mighty angel proclaims in a loud voice, uh, here is the title deed to planet Earth, uh, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll. Who's worthy? Who's the rightful heir? Who qualifies morally to lay claim to the title deed to planet Earth? Is really who, Who's the worthy heir? Who's paid the price? Who's redeemed planet Earth? Uh, who is it that can step up and open this amazing document? Um, in verse three, here's what's interesting. Nobody steps forward. I'm sure uh, if this was Gabriel, he's thinking, not me, I'm not worthy. Uh, Michael, what about you? You're, you're the head archangel. And Michael says, no, not me. And he's announcing it. And verse 3, uh, nobody, no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I just want to, pause for a moment 
and give you a different picture that maybe will help us understand. Um, how many of you have ever been to uh, Chuck E. Cheese? Can I see hands? Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah, yeah, most of you, yeah. Okay, you understand. Or we used to have the jungle uh, before they tore our jungle down. Uh, here, here's the idea. You walk into the jungle, Bob, and I'm sure you've done this, and you take uh, um, some bills and you put it in the machine and it spits out these little coins, right? And that entitles you to take your coin and go play games, right, Henry? You know, and, and here's the really neat thing is most of the games, when you play them, if you play it well, you might get three tickets, right, Jim? Or if you play really well, if you pick them well, Penny, you might get five tickets, okay? So, so you're, you're here with the children or the grandchildren or maybe Henry, you and I, we're by ourselves, yeah, enjoy okay? And, and we're, we're getting as many, as many uh, tickets as we possibly can. Okay, so uh, maybe we put a 20 in and that equals about 20 minutes worth of fun, you know. So now after 20 minutes, now you go and you take these tickets and here's the idea. Then you take the tickets and you exchange them for a prize. Um, now, uh, here's what I've discovered, Jim. Um, they're fairly evil at these places because right front and center, they put like the best top shelf prize. And, you know, it's like a PlayStation 4. So all the little kids coming up, and, and you know what they all say? Todd, you know, I want that. And you look, and it says 100,000 tickets. Um, sorry, you've got 76 tickets. Um, uh, can't buy the top shelf. So you take the 76 tickets and you get a little glow-in-the-dark ball and three dum-dum suckers and you say, here's your prize, let's, let's head on out, okay? That's, that's how it works because you can only buy what you got tickets for. Now I want you to go back. Uh, believe it or not, there, there is a reason I'm telling you this. Uh, nobody's stepping forward, verse 3. Um, here is all of the Old Testament uh, heads, the patriarchs. Abraham, surely Abraham, come on, you step up and, and Abe says, uh, sorry, I don't have enough tickets. And Moses, come on, you step up. I'm not worthy. I, I can't grab a hold of that title deed. Elijah, come on, you did some amazing. No, Elijah says, I can't. Uh, let's go New Testament. Paul, John the Baptist, come on, somebody step up and make claim to the title deed. And you know what they're all saying? <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't have the right to claim. I don't have enough tickets. Uh, we could say today, uh, Chris Tomlin, you wrote all those songs that we sing. Chris would say, no, I'm not qualified. Andy Stanley, you, you're, you're, you're everybody knows Andy. No, no, he can't. Uh, Billy Graham, Rick Warren, Purpose Driven, Beth Moore, surely. Beth Moore can, no, Beth says, sorry, don't have enough tickets. I, I have no right to step forward and make claim and grab a hold of the title deed of planet Earth. Verse 4. Um, this is interesting. And now John starts to cry. I wept and I wept. And that's a word for strong, uncontrollable sobbing. Uh, John is 
loudly weeping because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. So the question is, was John just really an emotional guy? Or was there something going on here that really is that tragic if nobody steps forward to lay claim to the title deed of planet Earth? So, so John, what is it that makes this so important? Why are you crying and weeping and, and just loudly wailing there? Are you ready? Let me explain to you. Genesis chapter 3 um, excuse me, Genesis 1, verse 28, Adam has said, here's planet Earth, rule over it, it's yours. You're going to be my executor, my steward, if you will, over planet Earth. Okay, So you're the foreman now, Adam, take charge. Now, Genesis chapter 3, um, they blow it. Adam and Eve believe Satan's deception, and the result was death. The result was sin. The result was, now you're going to face all sorts of bad stuff here on planet Earth because you disobeyed. And now we have things like disease and old age and Ebola and ISIS and earthquakes. And there's a typhoon going on right now in the Philippines and dog bites and war. And worst of all, give me your eyes, Ephesians 2 and verse 2, Satan becomes the god of this world little g God and uh, he is the prince of the power of the air 2nd Corinthians 4 4 so in other words Satan now is in charge of planet earth he took the foreman's job from Adam and Eve and now Satan and his demonic army track with me they are ruling and manipulating planet earth for their own cause and now John's thinking, uh, this is bad, because if nobody steps up, verse 4, if nobody steps up and, and is able to evict Satan and shove him out of his job, then they are going to continue to be in control, which means more war, more disease, more suffering, more abuse more war, more tears, more death, more persecution. And, and look at it, verse 4, he's weeping and weeping and he can't quit crying at the thought that nobody's going to take care of Satan and his demonic army and evict them and keep on ruling indefinitely. Now, John's tears are about to dry up, aren't they? Verse 5, here's, here's what it says. He uh, one of the elders says to, to John, and I think he says it like this, hey, hey, quit crying. Quit, quit crying, John. Uh, I want you to look up because you, you're so full of, full of tears right now. You're not watching. Look, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. John, I got good news. Um, there's somebody who is the line of the tribe of Judah. Somebody who is from the line or the lineage back to King David. Um, and he is able to lay claim to the title deed and open up its seals. Uh, any guesses who that might be? 
Who are we talking about right now? We're talking about Jesus, uh, who was from the tribe of Judah and was also a great, 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 great grandson of David on his dad's side, Joseph's side. Okay, so it's pretty cool. And John looks up verse six and he's looking for the lion. And what does he see? Verse six. Um, then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And the lamb had seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. This is kind of good, okay? Uh, Jesus, the perfect sinless lamb of God, the second person of the Trinity took on a human body. And when he was slain on the cross at Calvary, he purchased planet Earth. In other words, he was able, he, he was the proper moral authority to claim the title deed of planet Earth because he was the lamb who was slain. But it also says that this lamb is not just this weak, meek little lamb. Uh, it, it says that the lamb was strong looking as if it had been slain, but it had how many horns? Seven, I mean, and every time you read about a horn in the Bible, Deuteronomy 33, 17, Zechariah 1, 18, horns are a symbol of power and strength. So this is one strong lamb. This is mighty lamb. Uh, this redeemer may be a lamb, but it has perfect strength. Seven eyes doesn't miss anything. Perfect knowledge perfect perception, knows it all, omniscient, omnipresent, perfectly knows about everything and everyone on planet earth. That's what it's saying about the lamb who was slain, Jesus Christ. In verse 7, this is good, and he, the lamb, Jesus, went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Jesus steps forward and is able to take the title deed of planet Earth from God the Father's hands, okay? So he earned the right to take the title deed. He paid the price through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He's the living king. He's the living savior, and he's our lamb that was slain. He took our place on the cross and shed his blood for us. So for us, he's our lamb, but for all who say, no, thank you, Jesus. I don't want you in my life. I, I don't want to follow you. I don't want a savior. I want to be my own boss. I want to call my own shots. To those, he's going to be the lion. And we're going to look at the lion part of Jesus, Revelation chapter 6 to Revelation chapter 19. Okay, that's coming. That's where the lion kicks it in gear. But, but to them, he's going to be the lion, and it's going to be rough. Verse 8. And when he had taken the title deed, the four living creatures, the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. And each one had a harp. Um, my favorite far side. This is the only place in Scripture where it talks about harps in heaven. You know, that, that, that seems to be what we, well, you get to heaven. And, and, but this is the only place in Scripture where it talks about harps. 
which leads me to my one of my favorite far sides. Anybody like the far side? You know what I'm talking about when I say that? Okay. Yeah, here's, here's what it says. It says, uh, welcome to heaven, here's your harp. And then on the other side, it says, welcome to hell, here's your accordion. Um, so uh, anyway, Bob likes accordions, and I'm really sorry, Bob. <laughs> um, Let's move quickly to the bowls that they're holding, okay, uh, before I get attacked. Uh, each one had a harp, and they were holding a golden bowl full of incense. Um, and what is the golden, in the golden bowl that, that the Lord says, that's my incense? That's the good-smelling stuff for me. They, it's what? The prayers of who? Think about that. In, in the Old Testament, uh, what smelled good to the Lord was their sacrifice. Sacrifice lambs, sacrifice ox, sacrifice rams, uh, sacrifice, they had to die in order to atone and to cover their sin. Now the lamb who was slain once for all went to the cross, shed his blood. Guess what, we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. Aren't you glad? I'm really glad that we don't have to go and, and raise a lamb and, and then it needs to sit in your house for four days and you name it and it becomes your pet and then you got to kill it. But that's what they had to do. They were looking forward to the lamb who was slain. Today, what smells good to the Lord? Look at verse 8. I want you to get it. it it's when we're talking to him. When we pray and we cry out and we, we share our life with, with the lamb who was slain, he says, that smells good to me. Matter of fact, it's more than, it just smells good, but it's valuable. To, it's so, your prayers are so valuable to the lamb that he saves your prayers in golden bowls. And suddenly you, you realize, wow, if it's that valuable and precious to the Lamb, Jesus, why isn't prayer more valuable and precious to me? Hmm. Let's go on. Because you were slain. Because you were slain, Jesus. And now the victory party takes off. Okay? So that's, that's the title deed part. It's the Lamb who was slain, steps forward, takes control of the title deed. And the rest of the chapter is just one giant celebration. Or, if you will, one giant party. Look at verse 9, because the, the, the rest of the chapter is nothing but victory celebration and party kicks off because Satan is going to get evicted from planet Earth. Okay, Satan and the demonic army and sin and disease and death, they're about to get booted and evicted and now the new owner, Jesus, is gonna come and take their, that spot. So that's when the victory party takes place and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy, Jesus, to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God. Persons from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. Why should we care about Jim? Every tribe, every nation, every language, every people. Why should we care? Because according to this, the lamb that was slain cares about every tribe, every nation, every language, every people. 
Therefore, we should care about it because that's why he came and he took their place on the cross throughout the earth. Verse 10, Jesus, you made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they're going to reign with you on earth. Did you know that's us? We get to reign with the lamb. We get to be, he's on the, the center stage on the throne, but we get to rule and reign with Jesus when this, when this happens. And it's like, come on, Henry, find your spot. We're going to get up here, and we get to rule and reign with him on earth as a kingdom of priests. And then the focus goes from the people who are saying, you're awesome, and you were slain for me. And now the elders and the angels burst into song. Look at verse 11. Here we go. Then I looked, John says, and I heard the voice of many angels Numbering how many? Thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousands. Um, I really think this was an ancient way of saying there was more than I could count. There, there was like, you know, we tend to get the calculator out. What's ten thousand times? How many angels? Are and, and really what he's saying is, man, it, it, was, it was like the stars in the sky. I couldn't count them. There were so many angels singing. Uh, and they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders and in a loud voice they were saying worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing hmm. um, here's an interesting thought you ready I didn't know this before I studied this I always thought angels did a lot of singing in the Bible didn't you? I mean, you know, like they're singing all the time and that, that's why they whistle and sing while they work. Um, but here's what I discovered. Um, there's only one other time when angels are said to sing before this. And that's Job 38.7. And you can look it up, but I'll tell you what it, it says. While the morning stars sang together, uh, God was creating the world. So while Jesus was speaking the world and the planets and the stars into existence, Job 38.7, most scholars say that's the morning stars, and they're singing and singing, thinking as Genesis 1 and 2 is going on, and, and the Lord is creating each day, uh, they're singing up a storm. But then we already talked about Genesis 3, uh, then sin and Satan and everything fell, and then Satan and one-third of the angels rebel against Jesus and are expelled from heaven, Ezekiel 28, 12 to 19. Um, and after that, there's no more singing by the angels. Isn't that interesting? No more singing. And I'm thinking, no, no, I remember I was, I was singing in a Christmas cantata, and I sang, Glory to God in the highest. Remember that, Luke 2.13? You ever heard that song? And on peace, or earth, peace to men. I, I shouldn't sing right now. On whom his favor rests. Uh, but you know what? It doesn't say they sang. It says they said. So, now go back to verses 11 and 12. After all that, the angels, millions and millions of this, they see Jesus step up and take the title deed to earth, and they realize that 
This is the end of Satan and his demonic army and death and all the ugly, and they burst into song. In verse 12, they sang and they give Jesus a sevenfold tribute of worship and praise and adoration. It's pretty cool, okay? So now, now they're all singing and they're excited and they can't wait to see what uh, Jesus is about to do as he takes hold of the title deed. Verse 13, then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that's in it saying, to him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Uh, and then the four living creatures said, Amen, let it be so. And the elders fell down and worshiped too. Um, do you remember in Philippians 2, Paul wrote, At the name of Jesus, there's going to be a day where every knee will bow down. And every tongue will confess, what? Jesus is Lord. Can, can I suggest to you that's here, verse 13? Every knee's gonna bow, every tongue, oh yeah. Even those who said, no thank you, I don't want you in my life, I wanna be my own God. Even to them, at this point, they're gonna realize, oh yeah. He is indeed King of kings and Lord of lords. He, he is the one who he said, and, and they worship and they praise the Lamb Everybody, everything that's ever been created, every living creature will realize he is indeed the king and the Lord and the master, okay? So let me, let me just say in summary, in, a huge point here is being made. Jesus Christ alone controls our future. Do you see that? And not just our future, but the future of planet Earth and the future of history, Jesus controls the future. Not Satan, not his demons, not Washington, D.C., not the United Nations. Um, you can pick your, not ISIS, not Al-Qaeda. Who controls the future and, and alone control? It's Jesus, because he's going to pick up the title deed, and now it belongs to him. And only Jesus is worthy to set into motion the events of the last days of history on planet Earth. Why? Because only Jesus had enough tickets to buy what was on the top shelf. Only Jesus was worthy to claim the title deed of planet Earth. And I'm just saying, as you read this, you just say, wow, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be sensational. It's going to be astounding and incredible. It's going to be dynamite, my friend Jimmy would say. Okay, so what does this mean to us? Okay, what, what should this mean to us, this Revelation chapter 5? Well, the most obvious question for me is, if there's going to be a day when every one of us are going to get on our knees before Jesus, and we're all going to worship him and realize who he is, shouldn't we realize and recognize who he is right now, today? See, too much of, of our thinking is, well, that's future, but today I'm just kind of living. No, no. Today I should be living my life full of worship and praise and adoration of King Jesus. Jesus Christ is not an add-on. It, it's not... 
Um, well, he's, he's a nice addition to my life. No, no, he's central. He's the focus. He's the passion of my life. And, and I just want you to see, verse 13, all of creation is singing and praising Jesus. King of kings, Lord of lords. And I'm going to ask you again, is that going on in your life right now today regularly? Is that a daily part of your life? Now, I want you to slide down to verse 12 because this is interesting. In a loud voice, they were saying, Jesus, you're the worthy lamb who was slain. And because you are worthy, you are worthy to receive from us some stuff. Now, I don't know about you, but I normally think about Jesus giving me stuff. Don't you? Um, Lord, I need your grace right now. I need your wisdom. I need your protection. I need your healing. I need your guidance. We're good at saying, Jesus, help, help, help. And, and, and he gives us lots, does he not? He gives us salvation. He gives us his spirit. Um, but here, look again at verse 12. Instead of asking for Jesus to give me stuff, it says, Jesus, you are worthy to receive from us all that we have. And look what it says. Verse 12, Jesus, you are worthy to receive power. Power from us. And I, and I just want to say very clearly, I get it. Any power or influence you and I have is really what? It's pretty puny like that, okay? Right? I'll look at you through the puny power, okay? But, but he says, whatever puny power or influence we have, are you using it and giving it to Jesus and his kingdom? So whatever power, whatever influence you might have, are, are you regularly giving that back to Jesus to use in his kingdom? Or are you mostly about your agenda and what you want to do with your power and your influence? Go back to verse 12 because he's not done yet. Um, uh, Jesus, you are worthy to receive power. And what's the next thing? And what? And, and wealth. And whatever riches I might have. And, and, and now I'm thinking, why is that? Is Jesus short this month and needs help with bills? Uh, does, is he not able to, to pay everything? And the answer would be what? No, it's a reminder that when I give of my wealth, my riches to Jesus, oh yeah, that actually came from you to begin with. Everything I have is a good gift from you, and now I give back to you as an act of worship. Make sense? And it's just a reminder. And the best antidote to the poison of greed and mine and jealousy and envy, you know what the best antidote for that is? Is to learn to give regularly to Jesus and his kingdom. And Lord, it's, it's yours. I give freely. 2 Corinthians 8, 6 through 8. And, and, and I just want to say one last thing. King David said, I'm not going to give anything that doesn't cost me anything. In other words, I'm not going to give a gift that really doesn't cost me much. And I have to ask myself, Jeff, when's the last time you gave a gift unto Jesus and his kingdom that hurt when you gave it. Because if, it, if this really doesn't hurt, if there's not a sacrifice, then you're really not 
giving. You're just sort of tipping or I'll, I'll give on the margins or I'll give when I'm able or can be. No, no, it, it, it's a gift that hurts. Hmm. Go back to verse 12. We're not done yet. Um, Jesus, you're worthy to receive any power or influence, any riches, um, and you're, you're worthy to receive wisdom. My good judgment, my intelligence, the common sense you've given me. I've learned lessons from life, and now, Jesus, you deserve my best knowledge that I've learned from life. You're, you deserve the best parts of my day. So I'm talking to you not just when I'm about to fall asleep or not when I'm just waking up and I'm not really thinking clearly. Jesus, you deserve the best part of my living and serving and thinking on your behalf. Some of you have great minds. Are you using your mind and your intelligence unto Jesus? For his sake? For his kingdom? Verse 12, we're not done. Um, Jesus, you are worthy. You, you are worthy to receive power, riches, wisdom. What's the next one? Hold up your guns. Come on. Come on. Ah, yeah. Yeah, hopefully Cruzel's not here. He'll intimidate all of us. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's your effort. It's your energy. It's your schedule. But Pastor Jeff, I'm tired and weary. Uh, I, I understand. We, we live in a busy, hectic world. But are you making time with some of the best of your energy to Jesus and his kingdom? Or does he just get your leftovers? Um, I'll serve you when it's convenient or I'll serve it when I get around to it or I'll, I'll, I'll serve you when uh, I can squeeze it in maybe. Verse 12, and we're done. Jesus deserves our power, our riches, our wisdom, our strength. And then we got a nice little trio here. Our honor, glory, and praise. Honor, glory, praise. So when you get that... Uh, that raise and that promotion, do you give Jesus the credit? Because who gave you favor with management? Think about it. Who gave you the gifts and the talents so that you could be successful? Who gave you the energy and the ability to think clearly and work hard and diligently? Um, oh, I guess that all did come from you, Lord. So I I'm just telling you, it's possible that good stuff is happening and you're getting praised and honored and, and lifted up and instead of giving that right back to Jesus, we're kind of stealing the honor, the glory, the praise that actually is due Jesus for what he's doing in our lives. He says, come on, give it to me. Um, finally, um, have you yet surrendered your life, your will, your soul to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Just because you're in a garage, think with me now, doesn't make you a car. Just because you're in McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. Would you not agree? And just because you're in church doesn't make you a Christian. Doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. And I just need to say, if you're here this morning, have you been to the cross? And here's what I mean. Have you been to the cross and realized that's my life? What Jesus did for me on the cross, 
shedding his blood for my greatest problem. I'm a sinner taking my place in the tomb and early on Sunday morning defeating sin and Satan. That's my life. And I believe, Jesus, you did that for me and I receive you as my king, my lord, my boss. And now my whole life's about worshiping and honoring and glorifying you. Have you done that? If anything, this chapter shouts, you don't want to be on the wrong side of history, do you? I don't want to be here, verse 13, and I wake up and he's on the throne and everybody's worshiping Jesus and I'm thinking, oh, snap. Um, I didn't give my life to Jesus. I never acknowledged that he was, I never said yes, and now I've got the lion and he's on my case. The lion of the tribe of Judah who holds the whole future in his hands and, and that's, that's an ugly picture if you're on the wrong side of history. You don't want to be on the wrong side of history. Jesus says, no, you, I, I came and I took your place and now I didn't come to negotiate. I came to pay the price. I came to give life on my terms, Jesus says. I didn't come to negotiate and I didn't come so that bad people could be made good. And that's what most of our world thinks. Well, you know, Jesus is for the really bad people and for the nice, moral, good people of this world. Well, they really don't need Jesus because they're doing okay already. Are you ready? Jesus came to make dead people alive. And all of us were born dead. All of us were born as sinners and dead spiritually. And the only solution to our deadness is being made alive in and through the Lamb who was slain, Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't come to be an add-on to your life. Jesus came to be your life. And now, Jesus, every day I'm going to live like Revelation 5. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to give to you what you're worthy to receive from me. That's the least I can do in response to all you've done for me. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Is that true for you? Or is it just sort of an add-on, an extra? Yeah, yeah, I got my life, and then, you know, I got this little extra. No, 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 he is our life as the lamb who was slain. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, Revelation 5. It puts... Uh, life in perspective. It shows us what's in store, and personally, Lord, I can't wait to be a part of uh, this chapter. But we want to pause just for a moment now, and we want to invite you to show us how we're doing when it comes to uh, making Jesus the place and the person and the priority he deserves. So if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus and it's clear the Holy Spirit's taken up residence, um, he's worthy to receive any power or influence you might have. He's deserving to receive of the best of the riches and the wealth that he's given you. 
He deserves the best of your mind, your wisdom, your common sense. The things you've learned and he's taught you. Is he getting that? He uh, deserves your strength, your energy, your efforts, your talents. Is that happening? And finally, it says, uh, Jesus deserves from us the honor and the glory and the praise from his children. When the good things happen in your life, are you, are you giving him the credit and, and allowing him to get the glory? Lord, it would be wrong to, uh, to leave here today and not invite you to show if there's anybody here who's in danger right now of being on the wrong side of history. If there's anybody here who uh, has not said yes, they're in church, but they've never believed and received by faith. The Holy Spirit's never taken up residence and if they were to stand before you right now, you'd say to them, I never knew you. You've never invited me in. You've never surrendered your life to me. If that's you today, boy, I'd like to, uh, to pray with you and pray for you. Um, so my question is, if you'd say, you know, if I stood before the, the lamb who was slain right now, I'm not sure whether he'd welcome me into his kingdom or whether he'd say, sorry, I don't think I knew you. You never belonged to me. Um, if that's the case, the lamb is still inviting you to say yes. It's not the lion yet. The, the lamb is still calling and knocking and seeking you. And today, you can say yes to him. Is there anybody who'd say that's me? I, I'm not sure if I belong to Jesus. I'm not sure if I was here that I might not be on the wrong side of history, and I want to take care of that right now today. Anybody just lift up your hand? You don't have to hold it up high, but I'd like to pray with you and pray for you right where you're at. I, I don't know if I belong to him or not, and, and I want to take care of that right now today. Anybody? Yeah. Lord, thank you for being the awesome one. Thank you for being worthy to take control of uh, the title deed of planet Earth. Thank you for being the ruler of the future. And uh, Lord, that means we can trust you, even when things are hard. Um, Lord, I, I pray that during this next week, you'll help us to give to you what you deserve, what you're worthy to receive from us, your children. Pray for your uh, hand of mercy and grace and protection and love to be on each and every one of the family here at Walloon. And we pray this all in Jesus' awesome and amazing name. Amen.